Hello, and welcome to the Hogan Cast, a weekly podcast where we discuss a variety of subjects. Each week, we talk about a different topic, from literature to travel and everything in between. Our episodes strive to be both conversational and informational, and our occasional interviews are hopefully entertaining. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hogan Cast. This week, unfortunately, I am flying solo. My wife is preoccupied, so I will not have a co-host today, but I'll try to go ahead and give you an entertaining show all by myself. But thank you for tuning in. And this week's topic actually comes from one of our listeners. She wanted to know why I decided to teach English in Thailand. And while I will answer that question, I thought it would be better to kind of expand that into a broader topic of you know, just teaching English abroad in general or or just teaching in general overseas. What do you need to do? What is the process to try to find a job in another country? What kind of certifications do you need? And what what's life going to be like? What should your life expectations be once you get over there? All right. So the first thing I think about is there are not a lot of Americans who work abroad. I think there are only around 9 million Americans working abroad. And that sounds like a lot. But when you realize that there's 375 million, 380 million Americans in the United States, that's like two or three percent. I didn't teach math, so I'm not sure if that's correct. It's a very low percentage of Americans who actually work abroad. So chances are when you do decide to do this, when you do decide to work abroad, you're not going to have anyone you can really talk to to give you answers on what to expect. So that's kind of the the top, the purpose of this episode is to just give you maybe not a how-to because this is my experience and everyone's experience is different. Um, I have a lot of friends who took different paths to teach overseas. So it, this is not the one set path on how you get a job overseas or how you get a teaching job specifically overseas, but this did work for me. So if you're considering it, some of this information may be useful to you. So the first thing is when you decide that you want to teach overseas, I would think that you need to have at least some idea of where you want to go in your head when you're planning this out. For me, I knew because I had been stationed in Japan that I wanted to go back somewhere in Asia. That was my main goal. And I thought the path of least least resistance to achieve that goal would be to teach and more specifically teach English because everyone at that time, there were a lot of English schools and there still are, but at that time, like everyone that I knew that was a foreigner overseas that was not in the military was some type of English teacher or at least some sort of teacher. So I, I knew that In my opinion, the path of least resistance to get back to Asia, Japan, or Thailand, or wherever I decided to go, was to be a teacher. Since I knew I wanted to go to Asia, I had an idea of the region that I wanted to work in. I kind of planned from the beginning. Like, when I got out of the Navy, I majored in English and literature. And as soon as I finished my bachelor's, I started looking at jobs um, in Japan and in Thailand and, you know, South Korea, anywhere that I thought I would enjoy teaching. The first thing you want to think about once you decide where you want to go, you want to do some research and see, you know, what kind of jobs are open there. There are a few things that 
you have to decide before you leave. Number one is, what are you going to teach? There are more than just English teachers overseas. There are a lot of international schools or bilingual schools where you have the same subjects that you would have in an American school. A lot of schools overseas are actually internationally accredited. So you might have a school that has um, an American accreditation. The most common one is WASC, uh, which is a, a California accreditation. And then you might have a accreditation from the UK. Cambridge is pretty pretty common. And then you have the IB uh, certification for a lot of schools nowadays, which is the International Baccalaureate. It's it's hard to get your foot in the door, but once you do, you almost always have a, or you, you have a lot higher chance of getting a job at another IB school. You can take workshops, but that doesn't necessarily make you like certified to teach the curriculum. It just kind of gives you a look into it. Now, a lot of schools will kind of work with you. And if you have that IB workshop experience, they would be willing to give you a shot and let you in the door. But it's not like get your certification to teach social studies, California or something that you're just certified to, you know, you're a certified teacher right off the bat. IB works a little bit differently. You need to decide, like I said, what you want to teach. If you have already been a teacher, that makes it really easy. Just kind of stay in your field. A really good field is uh, science. Uh, math is a good one. Obviously English, but the thing about teaching English is that, like I said, there are a lot of people there teaching English. That's that's like the default teaching job overseas is English because it's our native language. And a lot of times, if you even if you don't have a degree in English, you could teach English as a native speaker, you may need to take another course teaching English as a foreign language certification or, or CELTA, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But if you are a native speaker, a lot of countries will view you as an expert in the English language, even if that's not true, and they'll give you a job teaching English. So English is the default teaching job overseas. So it's all, that also makes it the most full. The highest number of teachers there are teaching English. So if you teach something else, like if you can teach science or social studies, or if you can teach math, anything besides English, that makes you more hireable. You've decided where you want to go. You've decided what you want to teach. So what do you need to teach abroad? Well, if you are teaching a subject other than English, or, e or even if you're teaching English, if you're teaching a subject and you are a certified teacher in that subject, particularly this is for American cert teachers because I'm not exactly sure how the UK licensure or Canadian licensure work. But for American teachers, if you have your state certification in you know English or science or anything like that, most teachers or most schools will accept that and, and you can go teach overseas. If you don't have a teaching license, a lot of schools will accept your major. So even if, if you have like a, a major in communications, for example, or journalism, you might be able to go teach that or teach English or something you know related, even if you don't have an education background. It's a little bit tougher, but it's not impossible. It used to be a lot easier, like if you had the degree in it, then you were in the door. But a lot of the, the better jobs, you know, want you to have some sort of teaching experience under your belt. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the, uh, when we get to what are the expectations and stuff like that. In general, if you have a degree in the field, if you're a licensed teacher specifically, you'll be able to teach that at some school overseas. Now, what makes you more hireable? Like I said earlier, if you can teach multiple classes, then you're obviously more hireable than someone that can just teach English or only teach science or only teach history. But if you are going to teach English, then you're going to need two things. The first thing you're going to need is your undergraduate. Don't try to get a teaching job overseas without an undergraduate. In the past, it could work because you're a native speaker. Nowadays, 
it's not going to fly. Eventually, if you get over there, your job is really, really shaky because technically you cannot get a work visa in most countries without a, at least an undergraduate degree in what you're teaching. So you might get there, you might get a job, but eventually when you have to get your work permit when or you know something along those lines, it's going to catch up to you and, and you're going to have to go back home. All right, so you need to have your undergraduate degree. That's minimum. If you're teaching English, I would also suggest that if you want to teach English as a second language, not literature or anything like that, like you're just going to teach straight up English as a second language, which is teaching English to foreign students, but it's specifically teaching them the building blocks of the language, like grammar, sentence structure, speaking is a big part of it, obviously. If that's what you want to do, then you should also think about taking a teaching English as a foreign language certification. There's one just called TEFL, thousand schools that will teach you at TEFL. And then there's a, a British one called CELTA, which is a little bit more in-depth. It's actually a better certification. Either one is okay, but if, if, you're, if you're looking for something that's more recognized, uh, particularly with British schools, or if you want to work for something like the British Council, you're going to need the, the, the Trinity CELTA is what it's called. What's in these courses, the TEFL and the CELTA, is they're going to teach you, pretty much they're going to teach you a really simple way to structure your classes. They, a lot of places call it the three Ps. And what it really boils down to is present, practice, and production. So at the beginning of the lesson, you present what you're going to teach that day. Then you practice it with the students, guided practice. And then at the end, the students produce on their own. Maybe not 100% on their own, but they need to be able to produce what you've taught them for the first two-thirds of the class. So that, that's one of the main things that they teach you in, in that course is, is how to structure a very simple lesson. And it's, it's really useful if you never taught before. Other than that, they're going to go a little bit into grammar. Grammar is probably the most difficult thing that you'll be teaching students. So it's important that you understand that grammar is the main part of what you're going to do as an ESL teacher. So you need to understand it. You need to know the different tenses. You need to know when we use which one, what's the structure. And um, you don't have to be like a grammar expert, especially at the lower levels. If you have no clue about the, the rules of grammar in the English language, eventually you're going to get a question that you're not going to know the answer to. And it's probably going to happen pretty soon. One thing is that there are pretty much 12 to 16 tenses. Each tense has a set structure, which is how you would write the sentence, and they're all used in specific situations, all right? Now, we use them naturally. So if I said, you know, a simple present sentence, for example, if I, a present simple sentence, if I said, I am, I'm a teacher or I teach English, I mean, that's present simple. Uh, but, you know, we teach it naturally. It comes to us naturally because it's our language. But when you're teaching uh, foreigners that have no experience with uh, the different tenses and things like that, then it doesn't come to them naturally. It can be really hard, some of the perfect tenses. So like present perfect tense and pa past simple tense are really confusing because if you say like, you know, I went to Japan last year, that's past simple. But if you say I have been to Japan, that is present perfect and students are going to know well, why why do i need to use the present perfect or, or why do i need to use the past simple what's the difference so to answer that question past simple you are talking about something that you did that took place in the past and that action is completely finished okay so i went to japan last year i can never go back to japan last year again it's in the past that's completely finished all right now if i use the present perfect i've been to japan 
It means I've, I've already been to Japan in the past, but maybe I'll go again. Like there's a chance that I'll go to Japan again in the future. So I can use the present perfect in that situation. There's a lot of grammar rules and I'm not going to break down a bunch of grammar rules. They're not easy if you've never done them before. And they're, it's difficult to express because English is our native language. Even though we know the rules inherently, when it comes to explaining those rules and the reasons why... It's, it's really difficult to do because a lot of times uh, my generation, we didn't go into the weeds on, on the tenses and, and grammar rules and things like that. As long as we could write it correctly, we didn't have to say why, you know, for the most part. What should your expectations be when you go overseas? So it depends. If you are an experienced teacher and let's say you get the job at a job fair or you're recruited overseas or you apply for a job at international school and you get that job, your salary is going to be pretty good, especially when you take into account that you don't pay as much tax overseas. Even Americans, we have to file our taxes, but as long as we don't make in excess of 100000 a year, we don't have to pay taxes while we're living overseas. If you're making, let's say $3,000 a month, you're probably taking home 2700 of that, you know, and the cost of living in some countries is, is lower. Now, obviously, if you go to Japan, the cost of living is comparable. But if you're working in Vietnam or, or Thailand, then the cost of living is, is quite low. So that 3000 is more like making 5000 So if you are an experienced teacher and you get a job, you, you get recruited, then you can expect to have a pretty comfortable life. But what if you're not an experienced teacher? Like, like me, when I went overseas, I had never taught before. I was fresh out of university. I went straight in and got a job teaching English as a second language. I'm at a government school in Bangkok, an all-boys school. You are not going to make a lot of money in that situation, especially early on. You're going to make a lot more money than the local teachers. Um, and a lot of people would tell you to live like a local. I mean, it's, it's doable, but it's easier said than done. Let's, let's just take Thailand, for example, because that was my experience. In Thailand, you have a lot of options like street food. That's like a dollar for a meal or something like that. If you can eat that every day, then that's that's good. But you also have to pay your rent. So even if you can find an apartment that's two or $300, which is what my apartment was when I was first working in Thailand, that's still a third of your salary. And your food, even a dollar a day, with three times a day. So let's say you could hypothetically eat only street food three times a day, $90, $90 a month. Still, now that's uh, $400, $500. And you're going to want to go out sometimes. Otherwise, what's the point of living abroad if you're just going to stay locked in your apartment all the time or your, your condo? By the time you go out with uh, your fellow teachers or, or some locals, spend two or $300 there, you're probably going to run through your salary by the end of the month. So in those situations, life is not going to be super easy. Party days are... are are going to be few and far in between and you're going to want to get out of that kind of job pretty quickly because like normally those jobs start about a thousand dollars a month to eleven hundred dollars a month which is doable but it's, it's it's pretty difficult thailand is pretty affordable but bangkok is the capital so if you're in bangkok you're spending more money those kind of jobs don't pay much the next step up the english centers you have like wall street and places like that where all they do is teach english as a second language and the salaries are usually a bit higher it's usually up to two grand somewhere around in there which is pretty decent in bangkok you're you're living all right at two grand um the highest salaries are going to be the international schools and the um bilingual schools those could be up to I mean, some of them top up at like four or $5,000 a month, which is really, really good in Thailand. So what I did is I started kind of at the, the low level 
and I kind of worked my way up, getting experience and more certifications. And I finished the master's while I was over there. And then by the time I, I quit teaching, I was making pretty good money in Vietnam. You need to figure out what tier you're going to be in. Are you going to be making a thousand a month and, and really struggling to get by? And are you okay with that? If you're really like for me, I was, I was still pretty young. I didn't, when I first went, I was still pretty young. I, I wasn't super concerned with making money. I didn't have really any bills back behind left behind or at least none that I, I cared about so I was willing to drop my or I was willing to drop everything and go overseas and and kind of suffer well I won't say suffer because I'm, I'm, I'm in Thailand but like struggle for the first couple of years because this I wasn't making any money but you'll still be abroad you'll still be living in another country you'll be having fun obviously that all this is once COVID calms down again but yeah I mean you'll still be having a great time because you'll be living in Thailand or, or Romania or wherever you want to teach abroad. But at those lower tiers of jobs, you're, you're, you're going to be struggling for money. But as long as you stick to it, try to be frugal, you can get by and apply for those next tier of jobs whenever you get a chance. So what about the actual process of finding a job? Well, you can take some of the normal steps. You can search on LinkedIn or Indeed, looking for teaching jobs abroad, restrict the location to the country you want to teach in, and just type in like subject teacher or English teacher. Other than that, you can go to the websites of some schools in the area. One thing I used to do is just search for international schools in Bangkok or Tokyo or Ho Chi Minh cities, Hanoi, something like that. And then you can apply directly to the school usually through an email. Sometimes they actually have forms you can fill out online. There's also job fairs that are conducted in the United States or elsewhere. Schools, the bigger schools actually come and recruit teachers to work there. That's uh, probably kind of shut down for now because of COVID, but it's something that will probably pick back up once the pandemic slows down. Some countries have specific job boards like Thailand has ajarn.com. Ajarn is teacher in Thai, so it's ajarn.com. And that lists a lot of jobs in and around Thailand. Vietnam has one. I think it's Vietnam teaching jobs or something like that. There's a lot for Japan. So those job boards. Other than that, just try to start building a network. I know before I went to Thailand, I got into, I was in contact with other people teaching English over there and trying to a little bit of a network. Once you do start working, obviously your fellow teachers can, be, can help you get jobs as they move on. So there's also a couple services where you actually give your resume and then sometimes they'll hold these big career fairs. One of the major ones is search associates. It's not a free thing. You do have to pay, but normally when there's no outbreak or pandemic, they have a big job fair in Thailand and I think Hong Kong and I think London, maybe in the U.S. now as well, where all these teachers come and then representatives from schools go there as well. Search associates is the one I'm most familiar with familiar with because I, I used to be a member there. And it's a, it's a really interesting experience to go to these big job fairs and meet the representatives from the school. They'll usually put like a letter in your, you have like a little folder and they'll put a letter in there saying, we'd like to talk to you to see if you're right for this job. And you usually get five to 10 interviews in that little brief moment, but there are there is a lot of competition and there's a lot of English teachers there. If you go there as like a math or science teacher, you're definitely going to probably find a job. But uh, to actually get in the program, you're going to have to get some references. You're going to have to give them your resume, your teaching credentials. They're going to 
want layers of recommendations, I think, from three sources. It's, it's not a cheap option, but it is a good option. If you want to get to the upper tier schools where the, the money's better and you're willing to go somewhere else, because usually it's not just schools from the country you're in that, that are coming to these. It's schools from all over Asia or Europe or, or South America that come there. Search Associates is a good one. There's a few others out there that I'm not as familiar with, but those are pretty much the, the major steps for finding a job overseas. Let's get back to the original question. Why did I decide to teach English in Thailand? Well, I, like I said, I, I really just wanted to teach in Asia. And originally I planned, I had hoped to teach in Japan. So I went to Toronto to interview for this job in Japan. I drove like 10 hours to go interview. So uh, I ended up not getting that job. I ended up taking a job in Thailand. So I don't want to sound like I was disappointed because I was really excited to go back to Thailand. I really underestimated the cost of living. I thought like, oh, well, if I'm making $1,200 a month, I'll be fine. And I made it, but it wasn't fine. It wasn't like great. And I don't want to sound like entitled because I know a lot of Thais don't make that much money in a month. For me, it was really difficult at that time to only make like 33,000 baht at that time is what the salary was. And that was trying to be frugal and everything else. So it's doable. It's not fun, but it's definitely doable. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. It's just kind of wasn't really a how to per se. It was more like what I did to kind of get overseas and teach. Hopefully Nancy will be back for the next episode. We plan to interview a PhD student who's actually studying in the U.S. from She's originally from Thailand, but she's studying in the U.S. now. So that's the plan for the next episode. If you have a chance, find us on Twitter at The Hogan Cast. You can shoot us an email at thehogancast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and you can stream the podcast wherever you want. Apple, Spot, uh, Spotify, we're everywhere. So uh, thank you for listening. Please reach out to us if you'd like us to talk about anything. And Happy New Year. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.